Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Brandon Billups, and I'm the high school pastor here at Rolling Hills. In today's message, we're bringing our series, Jesus, Life-Changing Conversations, to a close with Easter Sunday. Today, you'll hear from Pastor Jason as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection and explore the last of Jesus' conversations that we're focusing on in this series. Now, let's hear from Jason. You know, there's a big difference between knowing something and actually believing it. I want you to think for a second about the things that you know or the things that people told you you were going to need to know at some point in your life. I'm beckoned back to high school when I was told that I would need to know pre-calculus and algebra. And some teacher told me, at some point, you're going to want to know this. This is going to come in handy at some point. Several years removed from that, I'm still waiting to see... (laughs) when that is going to actually translate to belief that I'm going to need to know that. I would venture to say that most of you know that eating a bag of Doritos before bed every night is a really bad idea, but they're oh so good. Or who among us doesn't know that it's not good for our minds to let the next episode of Tiger King just roll in to our Netflix queue? Don't you miss that season of the pandemic when we were all into Tiger King? See, my knowledge bank is very, very full. Whereas actually acting upon those beliefs is an entirely different story. It's been my experience that knowledge doesn't require me to do much of anything because I can just have knowledge. But to translate that into belief, something is going to be required of me if I'm going to believe. I would also say it's a safe assumption that everybody under this tent knows that fast food is bad for you. But if you're like me, when you're driving down the road and you see those golden arches, something happens, the gravitational pull takes over my car, and it just veers towards the McDonald's because the fries and the Diet Coke are unparalleled in greatness. Or how about that hot and ready sign flashing at Krispy Kreme? Can I get an amen at church? I see that hot and ready sign, and it's like a lighthouse for this weary vessel calling me home. And I have to go to see what, you know, the newest flavor is and how many donuts are they giving away free. See, when it comes to relationships, for example, something a little more serious, when it comes to relationships, I can have a lot of knowledge about relationships, but that doesn't mean I'm going to have good relationships. My wife and I uh, have two beautiful children, and I realize that as a husband and as a dad, if I put my wife and kids in second place behind my job, then I'm not going to grow in those relationships. I have a knowledge that they need to be prioritized. But actually, prioritizing is sometimes a completely different story. So on this Easter Sunday morning, what I want us to do is I want us to spend a little bit of time unpacking the difference between what we know about Jesus and what we actually believe about Jesus. What do I know about Jesus compared to what I actually believe about him? And so to do that, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture in the book of John. John chapter 3 in the New Testament. It's the fourth book of the Bible, one of the Gospels, which means the good news of Jesus Christ, which is very fitting for us to be talking about on Easter Sunday. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, those words are going to be up here on the screen, or maybe you have a mobile device or an app where you can follow along in God's Word. But I want us to pray, and I want us to ask God to just do what it is that He wants to do today. I say this very frequently here at Rolling Hill. For those of you who are new to Rolling Hills today for the very first time, you'll hear me say this probably every time you're here. I don't think it's by accident that any of you are here. God has a special plan for you, and God has something that he wants to teach you today. So why don't we open up our hearts and say, God, what is it that you want to show me today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for meeting us here today. 
We're so grateful, God, for your presence. We're so grateful for your goodness. We're so grateful for your mercy. And I thank you for this Easter Sunday that we get to celebrate an empty tomb. And because you conquered death, God, everything in our life can be conquered because of you. So thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus. And I pray that as a result of that gift that we would believe, not just knowledge, but that we would believe. Thank you, God, for who you are. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Let's look at John chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through verse 15. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So you're introduced in verse 1 to this guy named Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. It's Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a member of the Jewish ruling council. It's kind of like his Twitter handle. That's what he's known by. He's a Pharisee who is a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he comes to Jesus at night, and he says, Rabbi, which the literal translation of rabbi means teacher. He says, teacher, I know that you must be from God because you're performing miracles. Otherwise, how could you do those miracles? They had just seen Jesus turn water into wine at a wedding right before this. So only someone who is from God could perform those miracles. So Nicodemus had some understanding of who Jesus is. He had a knowledge base of who Jesus is, and that knowledge base was pretty much summed up in the miracles that he had seen Jesus perform. And some of us have, have kind of fallen prey to this in our life as well. Our familiarity with Jesus is, you know, we might pray before a sporting event, and we're successful in the sporting event, and we attribute that to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for all the things that you have done, or some miracle, or some sign. And what Jesus says, these are my words, not Jesus' words, but what, ultimately what Jesus says is he looks back at Nicodemus, and he says, thank you for acknowledging that I have performed miracles, rightly so, but, Nicodemus, no one can really see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So that means that you have to be born again into the kingdom of God to have eternal life. And telling a grown adult that they have to be born again is kind of a strange thing. And it was strange for Nicodemus to hear that. So he said, so what am I supposed to do, Jesus? Am I supposed to enter my mother's womb again? And Jesus says, no, you're taking this way too literally. Not, not entering your mother's womb again, but he said, you had a flesh birth where you were biologically born by your mom and your dad, and then spirit gives birth to spirit. And this is when you're born again, new life in and through Jesus. And Nicodemus says, well, how can this be? And Jesus says, well, you're Israel's teacher. You know the law better than anyone, and you don't really understand because you have a lot of knowledge. But yet, I'm trying to move you towards belief. 
You don't understand these earthly things. How are you going to believe in these heavenly things? And Jesus says, ultimately, I must be lifted up, meaning that I must grow and become who God has called me to be, which is the Savior of the world, who I am at my core. Jesus says, and everyone who believes in that will have eternal life. So this is kind of the profile of Nicodemus. He came at night. He believed in the miracles of Jesus. He had a knowledge base of Jesus. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, a part of the Jewish ruling council. So he had a lot of familiarity with Jesus. And the reality is there's, there's lots of people that kind of fit that, that, that prototype. A lot of us, I'm sure, at various points in our life, and some of us maybe even right now, would say, yeah, I kind of fit that prototype of Nicodemus. I want to give you a few kind of modern examples. And maybe one of these would ring close to home currently, or maybe it rings close to home at some season in your life. The first prototype is a guy that I like to call Sean. Sean's not a real person. I just arbitrarily chose the name Sean. And Sean was raised in church. Sean walked an aisle on a Sunday morning to uh, give his heart to Jesus. Sean went to youth camp every year in high school. Sean has a Bible at home. Sean has a knowledge of Jesus. But deep down, Sean doesn't believe. Sean thinks that Jesus is good. He thinks that he's okay. He thinks that he has kind of everything figured out because Sean is a person of pretty high moral character, but Sean hasn't actually put his belief in the fact that Jesus wants to be first place in his life and not just one of many. Maybe there's another prototype that you relate to. I call her Lindsay. And Lindsay was baptized in the Catholic Church as an infant, and at second grade, she completed her first confession, and then Lindsay received her first communion shortly thereafter, and she was confirmed as an eighth grader, and Lindsay has a knowledge of Jesus. But deep down, belief is where Lindsay struggles, because see, religion is very comfortable for her, because there's some rules to follow, and Lindsay would say, I do okay some of the time following those rules, but Lindsay has never really grasped this whole concept of grace and that Jesus wants to forgive her for everything that she has done. And where Lindsay ultimately struggles is that she can't do anything to earn God's love because it was a price that Jesus paid for her so she could have life. And then there's George. George is one of my favorites. George was raised in Tennessee, so of course he knows Jesus. I mean, there's like 42 churches within a five-mile radius of George's house. So he just, you know, he just knows Jesus by proxy of being born in the volunteer state. And then there's Savannah. Savannah's grandmother was a devout person, a devout person of faith. Savannah's grandmother played the piano in church, so of course she knows Jesus. Savannah even sponsors a child through one of the many incredible child sponsorship organizations. And I, I map out all of these profiles for you because, see, all of these profiles are fine and well. But there is a common thread in each of these stories, which is a common thread that was also in the life of Nicodemus. There's some background. There's some knowledge. There's an understanding of the person of Jesus but not necessarily a belief system in who he is, believing in him. I want you to hear this morning from another example of someone who has walked this path. His name is Stephen Wright. And Stephen Wright is a part of our Rolling Hills Community Church family. Stephen is a, a, a Major League Baseball player, and he's actually a World Series champ. But Stephen was faced with the reality of knowing Jesus versus just believing in him and the knowledge kind of spectrum versus actually what it meant to believe in him. So Stephen sat down with Jeff Simmons, who is our lead pastor, one of our founding, founding pastor of Rolling Hills Community Church. And I want you to hear just a small portion of Stephen's story. Take a look. 
Stephen, thanks for joining us today. This is great. I feel like we're sitting at your house. Yeah, this <laughs> is my cathedral. <laughs> You've been in the, this is AAA. You've been in the bigs for, in AAA and all the divisions for what, 16 years in baseball? So two World Series and man, God's blessed you and your career and your season. Tell us about though your spiritual life. Tell us about kind of growing up and then what God's kind of done in your life since. Yeah, I grew up, you know, going to church, Christian. Um, all throughout you know my middle ages and then I started playing baseball and unfortunately I, you play baseball on Sunday so I kind of got away from it a little bit and it kind of came back kind of been you know teeter-tottering and baseball for the longest time was my thing I worship like everything that my focus everything was on playing because I wanted you know to get drafted go to college get drafted make it to the big leagues and then and then just that's everything and it wasn't until later on in life to where i was like man there's a lot more of focus that i need to come to, to jesus versus baseball because if it wasn't for jesus i wouldn't have had baseball but it took me a a really hard time to really have that driven home so stephen you had a kind of a dark time in your life, and that's really where you came to Jesus. There was that come to Jesus kind of moment for you. Can you, can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not easy to talk about it, but it's definitely something that, you know, I struggle with. You know, there was a time in my baseball career, you know, I've always wanted to take control and, and work hard, and everything was baseball my whole life. You know, my wife sacrificed everything for baseball, and then, you know, I, I got hurt. You know, I had a significant knee injury to where I had trouble even walking. And then I had a lot of marital issues, you know, and there were some things that me and Shannon were going through that, you know, nobody should want to go through. But, you know, I did. And I had godly men around me the whole time. And I just did what every man always tries to do and just says, I got this. No, I get, I'm going to control this, you know. And, and I, even though, like, I had these godly people telling me, like, like, let us pray for you. Let us talk about it. Let's talk about it. Like, men, we don't talk about things. Mm -hmm especially when it comes to our feelings and our hardships. Like we want to always put on that armor of like, it's all good, right? And then some things happen and, and it's something I'm not proud of, but I got arrested and sitting in that jail cell was like the wow, like it, is it really this bad? Like, am I really at the rock bottom of all bottom? I mean, I was at the deepest part of my life, both spiritually, physically. I mean, I couldn't do a lot of things that I've done my whole life. And that was when I was like, man, like I need Jesus more than ever. And that was when I really was like, all right, I need to change some things. And, you know, I always tell people, I was like, the person that really opened my eyes to Jesus was you because you never knew me. And then you, you, you came. And when you showed up that day, I mean, it, it really opened my eyes. I'm like, man, like that is the love of Christ. And that's something that I, you know, that I want to give to other people. Well, Stephen, you're doing that, man. I mean, you're, you're giving that to other people. And I've just watched you as a dad, as a husband, uh, as serving at church. Talk about what, what God's done in your life since, since that time, since that moment. I mean, it's been, it's been rocky. I mean, but I knew God has it. I know Jesus is like, he's, he's the center of my attention, you know, of my life to where, you know, like I got, I finally opened up to, to home groups. I gave my testimony that I've never done in my life. You know, I'm serving at church, which I've never done. And it, and I love it. I mean, I'm at a more better spot, like spiritually, physically, mentally, 
you know, me and Shannon, you know, we're doing better than ever. Like, you know, my kids, I, you know, I've been able to spend a ton of time with them and ha have fun with them. And it's like, and there's still a lot of struggle and there's still a lot of, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but I've had so much peace about it. So what would you say to, to people out there about, you know, when people are struggling or just trying to check out this whole Jesus thing, what, what encouragement would you give them about coming to Jesus and difference God can ask, make in their life? Ask some questions, you know, find somebody that is a mentor, like find somebody that you feel like you can relate to, you know, like, I, you know, for me personally, like I want somebody to come talk to me because of something that they just see, like there's something different about him, you know, and like for people that are struggling, to find, you know, to find Jesus, or they got questions about who Jesus is. Does Jesus exist? Where'd the Bible come from? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of literature out there. There's a lot of studies out there. There's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge that is not just biblical knowledge. Like there's actual archeological facts to prove the Bible and the truth behind the Bible and the truth behind Jesus. And there's so many things that you can do if you just would ask questions. Just start with like Nicodemus, you know, like a lot of people want to be Christians at night because they're afraid of how people think about it. And I've, I've been like that my whole life. Like, oh man, like, you know, it's like if I'm around Christians, like I'm going to be a Christian guy. But if I'm not, then I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be, a, you know, try to fit in. And I still struggle with that today. But like for me, like I'm trying harder and harder every day to keep asking questions and just keep trying to learn everything I can. And that's, that's what I would, my advice would be to people is just, just start with the question of who's Jesus. Something that I love about Stephen's story, it's something that is very familiar in Nicodemus's story as well. And you see it there on your worship guide. If you like to follow along with some notes, I give you some notes every week. I have a really short attention span, so that helps me pay attention when I have something that I can write down. And so I'm just assuming that maybe there's one or two people in the room that would have that attention span as well. And so you can kind of follow along and maybe you can reflect upon these notes a little bit later. But something that I heard in Stephen's story and that I see in Nicodemus is that you can grapple with rules, facts, and religion and not grasp who Jesus is. You can grapple with rules and facts and religions and not grasp who Jesus is. See, Jesus is with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was caught up in this question of how can I be reborn? And what Jesus is saying is, no, Nicodemus, it's about belief. And believing in me is ultimately what leads to eternal life. Now, that word belief also means that I am to place my faith in Jesus, to place my faith in him, which begs a great question. What are you to actually believe? If it's about belief, what am I to be believing in? If it's not just knowledge, if it's not just about going through the motions, what is that belief system supposed to be? Well, look at verse 16, John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And John goes on to say, God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, it was God's love for the world that compelled him to send his one and only son, Jesus, and Jesus was born. It's what we celebrate on Christmas. God sent Jesus as a baby to the earth. He was born of a virgin in that stable. And then Jesus grew up, and around age 30, he began to call other followers disciples. And three years later, it came time to him to fulfill the purpose for which God had sent him, to sacrifice, to be the living sacrifice for the hope of 
the world. And Jesus was proclaiming that he was sent by God, and Jesus was telling the religious leaders of that day that he was the Messiah. And that news did not bode well with guys like Nicodemus, who had a lot of knowledge. And so, so much so, they hauled him into court, and he was tried, and he was sentenced to death. And he was hung on the cross, and in agony, he breathed his last breath, and he died. And that was an act of love for you and an act of love for me. His blood was shed so that you could have life. God so loved the world that he gave. And then Jesus' body was taken off the cross, and it was placed in a tomb, and for three days, everything was silent, from Good Friday to Easter. But on Easter morning, there were a few women who showed up at the tomb, to anoint Jesus' body with spices, and the stone of the tomb was rolled away, and Jesus was not there because he had conquered death. He was resurrected, and because he conquered physical death, he can conquer anything in my life. You see this here on your notes. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. This is the most important part about this message. That is the most important news that you will hear all Easter day. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything When these women go to visit the tomb on that Easter morning, they were startled not to find him. But what did the angel tell them in Matthew 28, 6? He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. The angel told the women at the tomb, he told you he was going to do this, that he was going to conquer death, and he did conquer death, so everything in your life can be conquered. And what Jesus asks of us is to believe in him, to trust in him, to place our faith in him, not just knowledge, but to place our faith in him and to believe in the resurrection power because it's the resurrection that truly changed it all. I want to share with you a couple verses that map out for you what that belief looks like. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You may notice the word all in there. Who is all? That's me and that's you. That all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That God had a standard for our life and sin gets in the way. And then there's Romans 5, 8, which is my favorite verse, I think, in the entire Bible, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, not when we were perfect. Jesus didn't die for you in a state of perfection. Jesus died for you when you were at your lowest point and when you were hopeless and when you were woefully helpless. So what does that belief look like? Look at Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe. And it's with your mouth that you profess and are saved. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know, but what I want you to actually believe, Nicodemus, is who I am. I don't want you to get caught up in all the knowledge, but I want you to believe in who I am. I want you to have full, rich life here on this earth. You see this here on your notes, but abundant life here on earth is always a product of belief in Jesus and not just knowledge. If you're looking for abundant life today, maybe you would say, you know what, I'm hoping that 2021, 2022 brings some abundant living in my life because the last year has not felt very abundant. And so I'm looking for some abundant life. Abundant life here on earth is a product of belief and not just knowledge. Maybe you're here and you're looking for eternal life. Eternal life. If I really want eternal life from eternal perspective, you see this on your notes as well. Eternal life with Jesus is always a product of belief and not just knowledge. Eternal life isn't a matter of just knowing more. Eternal life is available to us with Jesus because of belief, and that's what Romans 10, 9, and 10 mapped out, that we are to declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. 
But there's also an inverse to this. There's a flip side of this. Because what frustration often looks like in life, frustration often looks like this. I have a lot of knowledge and no belief. Have you ever had a season of your life where you were just kind of going through the motions? You were just kind of checking the boxes. There wasn't joy. There wasn't a lot of full, rich life. I would venture to say that in that season of life, you probably had a lot of knowledge, but you were really low on the belief. And it actually kind of taking root in your life. But God loved the world so much. God doesn't hate the world. And the gift of Jesus was a gift of love for whoever will believe. Verse 17 says, God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but rather to save the world through him. And maybe you've asked yourself this question. I I would think it's probably a very safe assumption that there's at least one, if not two, if not multiple people sitting under this tent today that have asked this question that I'm getting ready to throw up on the screen. Because it says God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Riddle me this, Pastor Jason, if God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, why do I feel so condemned by Christians or the church? If God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, why do I feel so condemned by Christians or the church? I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you've ever asked yourself that question, but I do want to affirm this morning that it is a really great question to be asking. And when I think about that question, I I think about an experience that I've had where many of you, I'm sure, have had before. When you're searching for a new doctor and you're searching for a new primary care physician, for example, or whatever the case might be, and what do you do? You start going to doctor's websites and looking for a phrase on their website, and that phrase says, accepting new patients, right? And what do you do? You pick up the phone and you call said doctor and somebody answers the phone, receptionist or a nurse, and you say, hey, I'm interested in becoming a patient of Dr. Baker's. Is she accepting new patients? Absolutely. She would love to have you as a new patient. Great. Well, can I book an appointment, please? Yes, we'd be happy to book you an appointment. We've got an appointment open for you on April 23rd of 2022. Um, I'm sorry, but y'all need to clarify something on your website that you're accepting new patients that can wait 24 months or 12 months for an appointment, or Dr. Baker just needs to put on her website, my caseload is full. I have space for anybody else. See, sometimes for Christians, it's easy to say Jesus is for everyone, but in reality, what we're saying is Jesus is for you, but not for you. Of course, we're accepting new patients, just not right now. You're going to have to wait a while. In reality, sometimes as Christians or as the church we would say, yeah, Jesus loves you. I'm just not going to show it to you right now. And if that has ever happened to you, I want you to hear these words. I'm sorry. If that has ever happened to you, I'm sorry. And I, in fact, wish that I could wave a magic wand and take all of that away. I'm not even going to stand here before you and promise you that it will never happen again. Because the reality is it probably will happen again. But this is also what I can promise you. A person who truly believes and Jesus will not show condemnation. So possibly the condemnation is coming from someone that has a lot of knowledge, but not a lot of belief. Because who were some of the most knowledgeable people in Scripture? The Pharisees. Who did Jesus deliver some of his most contrite, terse teaching to? The Pharisees. Because their knowledge base was really high, but their belief was really low. 
So if you're struggling to see, why do I feel so condemned? I would encourage you to go back to the source. And the source is Jesus. Look at Jesus' life, because Jesus in his earthly ministry, he ate with tax collectors. He ate with prostitutes. He ate with people who the world had written off. He even chose as his disciples people who would deny him and who would betray him and who would not even be able to acknowledge that they knew him. But rather what Jesus did is he spoke to people with love and he spoke the truth, but he called them to a life of significance and he asked them to turn from their sinful ways and to believe in him. And all of that, my friends, is possible because of his death and his burial and his resurrection. Look back at verse 18. So whoever believes in him then is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly, and what they have done has been done in the sight of God. See, belief in him means that Jesus is the standard that you and I seek to live by. In verse 19, this is the verdict. This is what the verdict is, that light, Jesus, has come into the world. But what do people love? People love darkness. Remember what time of day did Nicodemus come to talk to Jesus? At night. Because he liked the night more than he did the day. But whoever lives by the truth, however, comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly. At our house, um, we play a lot of hide-and-seek at our house. My wife and I have two children, ages seven and ages three. And hide-and-seek, I think, is our favorite game, but let's just be real. Hide-and-seek is a game that most little kids are terrible at. I mean, just for, I mean, think about it. They're, they're really terrible at hide-and-seek because they'll hide under a blanket with their feet sticking out and think that you can't find them, or they'll kind of go into a closet door, and as long as their face is behind a jacket, it's completely irrelevant that the rest of their body is just there because if I can't see you, you can't see me. But my little son, the stinker that he is, in the last month has actually gotten really good at hide-and-seek. And a couple weeks ago, there was a couple consecutive days when I came home from work where he was hiding to see if I could find him. And on both consecutive days, a little bit of panic was starting to set in because I actually couldn't find him. And I had this moment of thinking like, is he actually here in this house? And then I realized my wife and I are good parents. We don't leave our three-year-old unattended uh, in the home by himself. So I'm like, he's here somewhere. But on day one, he had somehow contorted his body to fit behind a little crack in our bed where I'd not even thought about looking, and he was just as happy as a camper back there. And then the next day, he was in the closet, somehow had gotten kind of in and behind the clothes hamper, completely out of sight. And on those occasions, I had to do what you never want to do in a game of hide-and-seek. I stand in our living room, and I say, come out, come out, <laughs> wherever you are. Jesus is looking at Nicodemus saying, come out, come out, wherever you are. Because Nicodemus is living in darkness, and Jesus is saying, come on out to the light. 
Because see, the truth in Nicodemus is found in the light. And in this case, the knowledge had actually prevented Nicodemus from seeing the light. And I don't know where you are this morning, but perhaps you're here with some knowledge, but the belief is missing. And so I want to give you a chance today to respond to that. I want to give you a chance to evaluate today where you are, just in real time. If you have this worship guide, I encourage you to pull that out for just a moment. And I want to ask you to do me a favor. It's a bold move, but I want to ask you to just simply do some self-evaluation and say, hey, this is literally where I am right now with Jesus, because as someone who cares about you, I would love to know how to support you and walk through whatever it is that God is doing in your life. And so if you would do us a favor and just fill out maybe your name, any kind of way that we could reach out to you if there's some next step that you want to take. But on the back part of that card, I want you to just simply take a moment and say, this is where I am today. This is where I am with Jesus right now. Maybe you're in category A, where you'd say, I'm accepting Jesus Christ and his gift of salvation for the first time. And if that's where you are, we would love to follow up with you this week. We would love to share with you about what those steps are for you to take. Or maybe you're in category B where you say, I believe in Jesus and I want to take that next step to be baptized in Christ. Or maybe you're in category C where you say, I'm committed to Jesus as a disciple and I'm living my life for him. Or maybe category D is a little more reflective as to where you are. I don't know about Jesus' claims, but I'd like to talk with someone about that. And I want to ask you to just very honestly say, hey, this is where I am. Maybe my knowledge base is really high, but my belief is really low. And I believe that God wants to meet you here. And if there's any way that we can come alongside you and walk you through those next steps, it would be a very sincere honor to do that. And so if you would complete as much of that card as you feel comfortable, and then here in just a moment, there's going to be an offering basket that goes by your seat, and you can place that card in there. And you can rest assured if there's a next step that you're wanting to take or something that God is stirring in your life, that we will follow up with you and that we will reach out and that we will say, what does it mean to not just know but to believe? So in fact, I want you to fill that card out. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, reflect just for however long you need to. Because the band's going to come back up, and we're going to have uh, just a quick time of response. So I want to give you just a moment to complete that card. And here in just a moment, we'll give you an opportunity to turn that in. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for meeting us in this place. I'm so grateful, God, for your presence. I'm so grateful for your love. And I pray right now that you would be with the person in this room who's seeking to not just know, but to believe. And I'm praying for the person right now that's seeking to take a next step of faith in you. And so even in this moment of quiet, God, I pray that there would be um, things that you're working in people's hearts. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this Easter Sunday. We're so grateful, God, for your presence, and we're so grateful for an empty tomb and that we can have life. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray and ask all of these things. Amen and amen. I'm going to give you again just one more minute to uh, complete card, and then I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. And this is an opportunity for you to continue in worship by giving.
And if you uh, would give us one of those cards, we would greatly appreciate it. So as our ushers are making their way to the front, um, just going to um, continue to um, lean into what it is that God is doing and lean into just simply his presence in this place. So thank you, God, for meeting us here. Thank you, God, for who you are. And it's in the powerful name of Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of our Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date with what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.